Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. But before we get in there, let's, um, let's open up in, in a word of prayer. Father God, I love you. Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I thank you that you rose again. I thank you that your mercy never runs dry. I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that you died for me. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you just for your gospels. I thank you for your word. God, I can't thank you enough. You are good, and we just pray that you would be glorified here today. Jesus, that your word would speak, God, and that you would do um, what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It is a privilege to share the Word of God. We're on week two of a series called um, The Gospels, Jesus in 5D. And the reason we put 5D, because there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which we would assume, you know, if you've been in church, you've known those, but I know not everybody does. Not everybody takes the time or, or has ever or have taken the step to read those four stories. Those are four historical records of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And then, so what is the fifth D? Why do we say five D? And I believe that the fifth part of this is not just that you have the book in your hand, but that you have the Holy Spirit in your heart. Because it is the Holy Spirit who gives light, who gives revelation and understanding of who Jesus is. And you can be an expert in that book, but not know him. And on the flip side, there's people in other countries where they might just have a page of that book but they have the Spirit of God giving them light and giving them understanding. And so that's kind of the fifth D. Um, Today, uh, we are doing baptisms, and it works out pretty cool because we are just going to be walking through the Gospels. And the first big story I wanted to get to, we can't cover everything in there, but was Jesus' baptism. So we have Mickey back, and he's um, from Ranger School, everybody. There's Mickey. It's good to see him. And... uh, his, Denise's wife came and said, hey, uh, my daughter would like to get baptized. Can, can we baptize her? And I said, well, I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm pro-baptism, okay? I'm not a Baptist, but I'm pro-baptism. And I said, but I'd love for, for Mickey to be here, um, you know, part of it. And she goes, well, actually, he's going to be in town next week. And I said, well, let's do it. And it worked out perfect that we're getting into the, um, the story of the beginning of Jesus' uh, ministry where it really does start with his baptism. So we're going to go through, we're going to start in the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, and it's in your page, and it should be on the screen, but it's the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. It says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and he was saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. A little backstory, Jesus was born into the nation of Israel, and the nation of Israel had this thing where God had promised them that they could have this land. God said, I'm giving you this land. All you have to do to live in this land and be blessed in this land and to thrive in this land is to just obey me. Here's my rules. Here's my regulations. You do your part. You obey me. I'll do my part. I'll bless you and keep you safe and keep your enemies away. 
I'll make the land fertile and your flocks and herds grow big and you'll have plenty of food. And, and here's the deal. That was the covenant that God had made with them or the promise, the agreement. You obey me, I protect you. You follow me and do what I want you to do and I will bless you and make you prosperous. Well, Israel is a lot like us where they didn't follow what God had said. And so if you go through the Old Testament, and this is the Old Testament in a nutshell, Basically, what you see is Israel sins. They start worshiping a false god, or they start, they start cheating people out of money, or they start being rude and mean to the poor and, and extorting them, and God's blessing is taken away. And an enemy comes in and destroys them or, or puts them in bondage, and then God, they repent, and then God brings them back. And so they're kind of in this cycle, and right now the Romans are, are the... the latest nation that is, has got them under their thumb. And so John the Baptist comes and he preaches a, a message that is right in line with what the nation had been going through. And he said, repent. Now that word repent, um, I put a little definition. It kind of has two meanings. Turn your heart and your habits. Turn your heart and your habits. Uh, the Greeks, when the Greeks would hear that, um, it would have the idea of turning your heart, turning your heart to God. Like, that's a very basic definition, and, and if you can only get something today, I would hope that you turn your heart to him, because God is awesome. God is wonderful, and, and he wants you to turn your affections to him away from stuff of the world, but to the one who created the world. But there still is that idea, and the Hebrews, they would have heard this, and they would have thought about their habits, Repentance is not just turning your heart. It's changing your habits. It's how you live. And, and you know, yesterday I was driving to get my back worked on. And it hurt so much I had to, like, pull the car over. Like, I was doing Lamaze breathing. I'm like, <laughs> it's breathing. I'm sweating in the car. The AC's on. And I had to pull the car over and actually stand up outside the car because, like, it was hurting so bad. But I'm going down Main Street, and you guys see how they just changed six, and they're making the direction so that it's, like, it's one way now. And it's all different. If you haven't driven down Main Street in Lexington, get ready. It's going to be exciting. And, but I want you to know there's two parts about that. Number one, you got to know the direction the way the road is supposed to go. In one place, it was two lanes, and now it's just one lane. You better know that. But number two, you better change your habit. Knowing the road is one way is not enough. You better actually go the way you're supposed to go. You can't just have the mental ascent and say, yeah, that's one way, but then drive on it like you've always driven. Because I always went down Main Street, made a right, and went out to exit 55. But it's different now. And so John the Baptist... He's preaching this message, and he's in the wilderness. And if you go to the book of Matthew, chapter 3, uh, verse 5, it says, And then all Jerusalem and Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? I want to unpack that a little bit. Um, this man was out in the desert around the, the Jordan River, which is where Israel had entered the land. 
that's where it started. Like they had left Egypt, and but when they went to take the land and, and take possession of that land that God had promised them, it started at the Jordan River. And so by going out to the Jordan and baptizing people, he was basically saying, reset. We're going to reset the nation. When you think about baptism, it's, it's a reset. When your cell phone goes bad, if you're like me, you got to hold both buttons and let it reset. Kids, when your video game's not working, you unplug it, you let it reset. When your computer's messed up, we understand reset. And God was showing them by John the Baptist being at the Jordan that he wanted to reset the nation, give them a fresh start. If you're here today, I believe that's God's message for you, is that you can have a fresh start. No matter how much you've messed up, no matter how many times you've failed, you can have a fresh start. That is the message of Jesus, that he always gives us that opportunity. But then I want you to think about John the Baptist out in the desert, in the wilderness, and in the Gospels it says he was clothed in camel hair. All right, be thankful. I mean, I know I wear shorts, and that's upset some of you, but I didn't wear camel hair. All right, so it's a step above, but he's out there, and then look at that. All of Judea, all the region, people were going out to him. People were hungry. It's hard to get people to come to an air-conditioned building. It's hard to get people to come and sit in a comfortable chair. But these people were desperate. And that's the next point I want to say is our hearts hunger for the word of the Lord. These people were hungry. How hungry would you have to be to go wander out in the desert to hear somebody? Because it probably wasn't shaded. It probably was dirty. It was dusty. It, was, it cost something. But they knew God was calling them to something deeper. And so they walked out to the Jordan, and he was telling them, repent, get your life right. That's how Jesus' ministry, it was, it was sown in that ground that John had, had, had tilled. It was sown in this, this message of repentance, fresh start. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you know what? There's something in your heart and mine that we cry out for a fresh start. Have you ever messed up your life so much that you're just desperate for a fresh start? That you would do anything that you're so uncomfortable with your life and the direction it's going and, and you just want a fresh start? That you would do almost anything. That was me Friday night. I slept like an hour in like five-minute increments. The back is locked up, and, and I would do anything. Anything people said that could possibly make my back do better, I was trying it all night. And nothing was working. My, I was hungering. I was like, if my back could just be better, if it could not hurt, if it could get aligned. And, and there's something in our souls that hungers for that same thing. That's how God has designed you, is, is we're crying out. We look at this world, and we know it's not right. And we're crying out for a fresh start. And the way there is repent. Change your heart. Stop being, like, it can't, like, I know this is not easy. But repent. Stop being selfish. And look to God. Change your actions, too. That's where it starts. That's where Jesus starts his ministry, as we're about to see. In Luke 
chapter 3, verses 10 and then through 16, it says, And the crowds asked him, What should we do? John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier is coming, mightier than I is coming, and the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. If you notice, I left out a few verses in between there because they wouldn't fit on the screen or your paper. I had to make a decision. But I want to reference them. See, he starts off by saying, when they say, what shall we do? And he says, if you have two tunics, give one to somebody that doesn't have one. If you're a tax collector, stop ripping people off. If you're a soldier, don't use your authority over somebody. Be honest. He starts with very practical things to do. And, I, and go back and read that. I challenge you to read the Gospels. But he gives them very practical things to do. Because you know what? Sometimes it's just you start with what's practical, and God uses it to change your life. We're always looking for this big thing to do. He says, they, they go, what do we do, Lord? And he says, you got two tunics? Give one to somebody that doesn't have one. Share. Don't collect more than you should. You know, they've done some research on how, how some habits can really change your life. Have you guys read the one? I, I, I'm Part of what I do in my full-time job is, is kind of like behavioral analyst stuff. I work with some of that, so we're looking at with kids and how do you get them to change their behavior, and so you think about habits. And, you know, one of the things that's true, um, they, they've done some research, and they said, you know, if, if you make your bed in the morning that you're often more productive. You're changing one thing. And some of y'all are like, really? Yeah, it's kind of true. Because if you take the time to wake up and to be that much more disciplined, all of a sudden your room looks a little bit cleaner. And it's easier to take those two cups by the side of the, or 15 cups if you're like my wife, you know, by the side of the bed and put them down in the sink. And then by the time you're down in the sink, you're like, well, I could take a minute and wash these. But, but you start with one habit and it can really change a lot of things. They said that if um, there's one habit that can make you lose, like I think it's like about between 35 and 50% more weight. So some of y'all are going to write this down. I know that. But they said if you just journal your food, you don't even have to exercise differently. But if you just kept a food journal, chances are that one habit can lead you to losing 35 to 50% more weight. It's somewhere in there. But it's amazing, and some, I saw some ladies writing that down. Some guys, we need to write that down too, because, you know what I'm saying? It's, I need to. I can't work out for a couple weeks, so I need, to, I need to journal my food. But it's amazing, you change one habit, change one thing about the way you live, and other things can start to fall in line. That's the way it is with serving God. Like, we want to come to God, and we want to, like, what do we do, Lord? And we're looking for this big thing. Why don't you start with some basic habits? Get around people who love God. Translation, go to church. Read the scripture. Pray. I guarantee you, you start a few habits, and then God will um, bring it through. But I want you to look at this, because I think this is important. We're talking about Jesus, and it's not all about John the Baptist. So that's the message. That's the ground. This idea of repentance, change your heart. But look what John says. John the Baptist was the last 
prophet of Israel before Christ. He was like, Jesus said, there's no one greater. He says, there's one who's coming that's mightier than me. Jesus was about to change everything because in the past, there were prophets and there were kings. Jesus came as a prophet and a king. He came as one who could both speak the word of the Lord that we're hungry for and rule and reign with authority. And John says, he's mightier than me. And then he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Baptism. Picture this. You're, you're there on the, in the desert. There's people going into the river. They're getting baptized. They're going underneath, and they're, they're coming out. Baptism, that word means immersed. Immersed means like all the way in, all in. Like to get baptized in the river meant that you went all the way in and came all the way out. And Jesus, John prophesied that Jesus would do that with you and with me with the Holy Spirit. That you could get all the way into the water. The the way I explain it the most, um, the best I think is, is I want you to think of a sponge. Because a sponge, I mean y'all... If you all done dishes before, you know what a sponge looks like. Some of you guys just play along because you may not have helped out with the dishes. But, but, but I do them in my house sometimes. But now we have kids. So praise God for kids so they do them more. But when you grab, amen. Yes, bless the Lord for that. I love you, kids. But, but you take the sponge, and the sponge is solid, right? I mean, it's squishy, but it's solid, but it has holes in it. And if you put the sponge inside of a bowl with water, The sponge is in the water, and the water is also in the sponge. Because when you take it out, you can squish it, and water drips out. And that's what God wants to do with you. He wants to immerse you in the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be in the Spirit, and the Spirit to be in you. So if anybody squishes you or puts some pressure on you, what comes out of you is God, and not your natural reaction. So Jesus has promised to baptize, and that's that same thing. Baptism represents a cleansing and a fresh start. That's the next point I want to bring up to you, a cleansing and a fresh start. They're at the River Jordan. This is where it all began. The nation had come into the land and had been given promises by God and had sinned, and they were now enslaved by the Romans apart from other people who had taken them captive. And now the whole nation is coming out to the river, and they're saying, let's have a fresh start. Let's get baptized. And so John's saying, all right, fresh start for you. Because really, the only way for a fresh start to happen for a nation is for a fresh start to happen to an individual. If God is going to change your family, he's probably got to start with you. If God is going to change this area, he's probably got to start with us. So individually, they went out there, and each of them said, yes, God, I want a fresh start, down and up. When you're baptized, it's kind of like you're, you're identifying with the death of Christ, where you go down, and you're dead, but then you don't end there. It's not like we just leave you there and hold you underneath, where you say, all right, now come alive into a new life with Christ. And that's what God has planned for you is that you would have a fresh start. The next thing we read about is in the book of John, chapter 1, verses 29 and 31. It says, the next day, and this is the same story, remember, and for those of you who weren't here last week, it's the, the, the Gospels are arranged so that it's the same event 
told by four different people. So this is John's take on that event. The next day he, that's John the Baptist, he saw Jesus coming towards him. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. For this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. Jesus is our sacrifice, fulfilling the words of the prophets. That's the next thing you can put on there. Jesus is our sacrifice, fulfilling the words of the prophets. See, there were some things in Israel, and I want you to see how Jesus brings it all together, that he is really what we need. Back then when you sinned, you had to have a sacrifice because sin means somebody has to die. Either you or him. Somebody's dying for your sin. And the Old Testament had the sacrificial system up where every, every time you sinned, you'd bring your sacrifice. And the animal would die. The animal's blood would pour out onto the ground. And that covered your sin. Jesus comes as a sacrifice for our sins. And fulfilling the words of the prophets because the prophets prophesied about one who was coming, who would sit on the throne forever and rule and reign. And that's Jesus Christ. One who would come and bring restoration to Israel. And not just like the nation, but a spiritual Israel. Those who were, who were born of, of the Spirit. And not just a national identity. Now back to Matthew chapter 3 verse 13. And this is Matthew's take on the same event. So you have John the Baptist baptizing, leading the nation to a fresh start. Jesus comes out, John yells out and says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And now you have Matthew's take. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you're coming to me. But Jesus answered and said, let it be so now. For it is fulfilling to fulfill all righteousness. You see, Jesus stands in our place. You ever wonder why Jesus needed to be baptized? Jesus didn't really need a fresh start. He never sinned. He was perfect. He was good. But the point I want to say, and you can put it on the screen, is Jesus stands in our place, living life as it was meant to be lived, and ushering in a new humanity. See, even Jesus' baptism wasn't for him, I don't think. It was for you. He was doing what Israel could never do. See, every, every, every promise, every agreement, every covenant has two parts. There was a part for God to play. God said, I'll bless you. And there was a part for man to play. Man had to obey thing is, there was no man that could ever keep that part. There was no man that could ever obey God, that could never follow God fully. So Jesus said, I'll do it myself. And he came as a man. God's son came as a man to fulfill our side of the agreement. That way we don't have to fulfill it because he's agreed, he's done it for us. 
There is already one who's lived life perfectly. And by Jesus getting baptized, he was not getting baptized for himself to have a fresh start. He was getting baptized so that you could have a fresh start. He was getting baptized. He was saying, I'll do it. I'll live life the way it was meant to be lived. He lived perfectly. And he's bringing out a new humanity. The way humanity is supposed to be is in him. And that's why when we're baptized in the, the Gospels, I mean in the New Testament, it says we're baptized in the Christ. And that's why it says there's no male or female, Greek, Jew, slave, free. We're all one in Christ. We become part of a new humanity. We have a new father. That's why he says we need to be born again of the water and the spirit. Because we identify not with the first Adam who sinned, but with the last Adam who was sinless and perfect. So Jesus goes and he gets baptized on behalf of, of the, all of us. And in Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 10, it says, When he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven and said, You are my beloved Son, and with you I am well pleased. See, something happened when the Word became flesh. Something happened when God fulfilled both sides of the promise, that God made the promise to bless, but then God became man and also obeyed. Something happened, the heavens were torn open. And you have an opportunity to have an open heaven with God in Jesus Christ. You have an opportunity when you pray that God will hear you because the sacrifice has been paid and your sins are forgiven. You have an opportunity to come and, and to receive the inheritance that Jesus has because the promise to Israel was, if you obey, I will bless you. Jesus obeyed up to the end, so he receives the blessing. But because he is generous, he shares it with you. He shares it with you. We partake of his inheritance. We partake of what he deserves. Heaven is torn open, and it says the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. Which I don't know about you, but that's crazy. Like, I don't get that part. Like, it descended like a dove. It's, I'll be honest, there's lots of stuff in the Scripture I read, and I'm like, huh, okay. I don't know what that looked like. Just dove flies down and just lands on him and merge. I, weird. I believe it, but it's weird. And then we can, we can say that's the truth. But the Spirit empowered Jesus. What you're going to see, and we'll start it next week, is the Spirit empowers Jesus. And I'll make the case he should empower us. But after this point, after this baptism, it's on. Jesus hits the ground running. He walks right out, and we'll get to these stories. He begins to confront the enemy and cast out demons. He goes to the unlovable, and he loves them. He goes to the broken, and he lifts them up whole. He goes to those who are blind and says, you can see. And what Jesus does, he does under the power of the Spirit. Isn't it weird? I want you to just think about this. Jesus got baptized for us, but then he gets empowered by the Spirit. Strange concept if you really think about the, the way the Trinity works, the way God works, the way, the way the Spirit empowered Jesus. But if I can say anything is, he is our example. And if he needed the power of the Spirit 
Don't we? Don't we need the Holy Spirit working in us to guide us? And so we're going to baptize people, but I want to give you a challenge. Because we talked about at the beginning um, changing a habit. And so here's a challenge. I'm going to put it on the screen. And here's my challenge for you. Bigger than an altar call, I want you to change one habit. One habit in your life. Because I've, I've talked to many people in this church, and even people that I would consider like some of the strong people. They were talking to me. They're like, you know what? I, I, don't, I really haven't read my Bible in a long time. And these were people that I was like, you know, if anybody's saved, like that person's saved. Them over there, I don't know about, but this person over here, like that's a good person. So here's a challenge. Number one, right now, I don't know what you do for your alarms, but I got like 50 of them on my phone. So right now, this is my challenge for you to change one habit as you want to partake of the fresh start and as you want to become empowered by God's Spirit and know Jesus more, set an alarm for a 15-minute commitment. So set an alarm on your phone right now and say, you know what, at this time tomorrow, I'm going to take 15 minutes out of my day for Jesus. And during that time, think of the word art. A, ask Jesus to make himself known. Because it's not about just knowing the words. It's about knowing the word, the word that became flesh. So just ask, say, God, I'm taking this 15 minutes. I'm changing a habit. Make yourself known. Like, I really want to know you. I, I don't know what that would look like. I don't know how that would be. But, but I want to know you, God. Ask God, ask Jesus to make himself known. Or read. Read the Gospels for about 10 minutes. Just sit there and read. Some of you will read a lot. Some of you might just get through a paragraph. Some of you might be to he to he, the, you know, and that's okay. <laughs> Wherever you start, just read for about 10 minutes. And then this is the key right here. Don't skip this part, this T. Don't just close the book and walk away. End with some thankfulness. Just sit there for a few minutes. I guarantee you, you change this one habit. Try it out. And see if God, if you did this every day, see if God doesn't become more real. Because you're asking him to make himself known. God wants to know you. You're reading his word. His word is true and life-giving. And then spend time with some gratefulness. Because you know something? We all have something to be grateful for. And when you thank God, you'll feel better. So end with a time of thanks. So that's my challenge for you today. I dare you to do it. I dare you to do it every day this week and see if God doesn't become a little bit more real, if his presence is a little bit more close. Now, some of you guys, you may already do that. Well, I challenge you to take it up a notch. If you already spend 15 minutes, make it 20. If you already spend 20 minutes, go 30. But I challenge you to take it up a notch because it's a habit that you can change. Don't try to conquer the world. Take 15 minutes. And sow into God, sow into God and see if you don't reap something that's good. So I saw people taking pictures. I saw a few people um, setting alarms on their phone. But that's the challenge I have for you guys. 
and um, I guarantee it'll be good. But right now, one of my favorite things to do in the world is to participate in baptisms, and it just worked out perfect that we're going to talk about baptism, and we're going to do some baptism. So if you're getting baptized, you can head down here to this side. All right, we have a few people and a few people helping us out. All right, and who's excited to see some people baptized? Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs>